Welcome to the Medina Focus Podcast. Our goal is to provide space for collaboration and community among practitioners working with the Muslim diaspora in North America. As people around the world have immigrated to the West, many Christians have realized that they live and work in the midst of the nations, and they often feel alone and unprepared to communicate cross-culturally. If you're looking for conversation and community surrounding issues involving loving Muslim friends in Jesus' name, we welcome you into the conversation. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Medina Focus podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm Nate. And today we're talking about a fun topic, uh, vision trips. Nate, have you ever taken a vision trip before? Yeah, actually, I, some of the most, it was, I did a solo too. So I, a solo I vision trip. I didn't have anybody to, to hold my hand and it was kind of frightening actually. I kind of thought the whole point of vision trips was so that your first introduction wasn't necessarily by yourself. <laughs> I've never heard of a solo vision trip. Well, I arrived on the ground at the airport and somebody was there to pick me up. And then they um, maybe put me in a taxi to get to the next place. And I was going, you know, I had some guidance, but I was uh, kind of moving from place to place on my own. Yeah. We actually didn't do a vision trip where we went in the Middle East. Wow. And we just kind of got on the plane and went, did a lot of pre-research. That sounds gutsy. Yeah. So when when we lived in the Middle East, we had this experience where this this group was going to come out and uh, kind of go on a vision trip, maybe do a little bit of work while they were there. And maybe a couple of weeks before they were supposed to get there, the the trip just went belly up. Hmm. And why? Why do you think? Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> well, it was crazy because they they asked they asked us, "Will we be one hundred percent safe? Can you guarantee?" This hmm. is their language. Can you guarantee that we'll be a hundred percent safe? Guarantee is a strong word, and a hundred percent is a lot of percents. And of course, the obvious answer is, well, no, we can't. But I mean, are you 100% safe where you live was kind of our our retort. And when we couldn't guarantee it, of course, they said, never mind. So I don't know. Have you had a similar experience? Yeah, many, actually. I've I've put a lot of effort into trying. I've had groups of people say, hey, we want to go and hang out in Lebanon. We want to go do a vision trip. We can go do a prayer walk, other things. And... So I go to all the trouble of putting all these plans together, and then maybe it's the third or fourth meeting uh, that somebody pulls the plug and says, oh, my mom won't let me go or something. And uh, yeah, it is, it's, it, a lot of it is about fear, and it's, there isn't much you can do to say, hey, you know, I lived there for seven years, and it was all okay. But that's, yeah. you know, people... People just uh, back out. Yeah. I've also had the experience where you come up with a really great plan. We, we had this idea that uh, there was a group that was going to come in, and I was going to get all of my, my local friends who, wanted, who already had some English, but we're going to learn more English, to pair up with my American friends. And we were going to watch short movie clips. And we'd spent hundreds of hours uh, pulling together these clips that, that talked about themes of you know forgiveness and retribution and... Uh, you know, scenes from Count of Monte Cristo and Braveheart and all, you know, great American films. They they loved American films where we were at. And my goal was, you know, Egyptians were so uh, stingy with their or possessive with their friendships. They would always go, well, how many other Egyptian friends do you have? Because they saw me oh, kind of yeah. as a, a pie and they want the whole pie, not a slice of, you know, a 16th. 
Well, that meant they wouldn't introduce me to their other friends. And so I thought, well, if I could say, look, come to this event, you'll get to meet some Americans. You'll, you'll bring them around and show them all the cool stuff in Egypt as kind of payment for their time. But they'll watch some American films with you and have some great discussions with you. And, uh, you know, but bring two or three friends. I was trying to figure out who's the friend group. Uh -huh. Great strategy. Until 24 hours within the team landing, every single Egyptian had backed out for some reason or another. Like, my dad is sick, you know, I have to, I've bought two oxen and I have to go test them out. <laughs> you know, just all the usual nonsense. That, so you, you brought all these people and they didn't have anything to do then? Well, no, we totally did. I said, so like the very next morning, they'd just woken up kind of having breakfast around noon. And uh, I said, you know, what's the worst scenario that could happen? And they said, the worst scenario could happen is we won't go anywhere. We won't talk to anybody. I said, okay, that's, we're in Egypt. That's not going to happen. <laughs> but also everything that we've spent months planning is also not going to happen. And we really had a great time. And all of the people who backed out wound up kind of taking them out and doing different things with them anyway. So we got the best of all the worlds, but. Well, that's true. The The trips that I have taken, I usually overplanned anyway. And uh, sometimes the best, the best is just to follow God's will and see what happens. Usually people have jet lag anyway, and they need to overcome that a little bit. Yeah. So today we are joined by uh, Kathy and Insof, and they are both uh, vision trip leaders and mobilizers uh, to the Middle East. And so we're going to let them share their stories with us today. Insof and Kathy, welcome to the program. Hello. Hi. Uh, could each of you just take a, a short moment and share a little bit about your faith history and how you came uh, to understand your call to work with Muslims? Um, I was born in uh, Cairo, Egypt, but I'm not Egyptian. I'm actually Australian Greek. And um, I had happy memories of my time there. It was during the British mandate. Um, but um, in later years in my life, um, I forgot all about Egypt because I ended up working um, in the Australian government and in other things. And it was, I was in my mid twenties or late twenties actually, when I had a time of, uh, just felt a call to fast and pray just to get closer to the Lord. And it was in that time, this is in the late seventies. Um, and um, I, I remember asking, just having time with the Lord, and God began to speak to me about a call on my life to remember the land of my birth. And uh, I had forgotten about the land of my birth. But he began to lay that on my heart that I needed to, um, to begin to remember and pray for um, the Muslim world. So I start, I was in Hawaii, leaving, uh, working in Hawaii at the time, but I just began to pray, pray whatever God put on my heart. And it was amazing the things that he gave me to pray that I knew nothing about. But years later, I got to meet the people that he laid on my heart to pray. It was just an incredible journey. So uh, he said to me that I'm going to do something amazing uh, in, uh, I'm going to visit Muslim people around the world and I want you to be a part of it. And that's how it started. And at the time, it, I didn't know how it would happen, but then I ended up working with the Lausanne committee 
and um, worked in uh, with a program director for World Congresses. And through that, I got to travel and meet um, leaders all over the world and especially focused in the Muslim world. And lots happened after that. But <laughs> yes. Awesome. Insaf, how about you? Uh, I am uh, I born in Iraq. Um, and uh, I raised in Kirkuk and uh, uh, I educated as a physics teacher. Uh, Iraq is mostly people Muslim and 5% Christian. Um, we raised with a friend and neighbor, all Muslim. We lived very good life together as a friend and a, a neighbor. Um, was so good. Uh, and then I became to... Uh, I'm from Catholic family, and I became to know the Lord on the 1984. And since then, God opened my heart and my eye to to see how much He loved me. And since then, I start to uh, share the good news with people around me. Um, and uh, for us, with our fr Muslim friend, they we built like good relation of um, trust. And uh, our, with our uh, daily life and uh, like the way we act, we can reflect Jesus' light um, in our life, like how much we honest, uh, just to let them who we are and how as a Christian they are. And uh, uh, in 94, we left Iraq with my husband and two children. We left as a refugee for seven years in Turkey. Mm. Then we start an Arabic fellowship in Istanbul serving among refugees. 2001, we immigrated to Canada. Since then, God called me to go to Iraq and be a shoulder to the woman to cry on my shoulder and I can put my hand over them and pray for mm. the Holy Spirit to comfort them. Uh, woman, each woman, doesn't matter what her religion is, what his, her faith is, she needs to know how much God loves her and she is very important and Jesus died on for her on the cross and with the, he shed his blood to forgive her sin since then uh, since 2003 I go to Iraq twice a year to serve among women uh, churches and other groups um, everyone welcome to come to this uh, meetings a Christian and non-christian and we share about the good news about God's love um, and how much uh, he loved us and our value as a woman. Um, and then uh, then I start to stop in the countries where refugees too, like Turkey, Lebanon, Jordan, Syria. Uh, like in Erbil, Iraq, there is a Syrian refugee and displaced uh, people because of ISIS. And in Turkey, there's refugees, Syrian and Iraqi. And in Lebanon, there's a refugee, Iraqi and Syrian. And Jordan, there is a refugee, Syrian and Iraqi. In each country, different nation of refugees depend of the border with the country they are. And uh, I we stop there and we gather the women together and we share them the good news about God's love. I think we all need to know how much God loves us. He died, Jesus died for us on the cross and with his death and resurrection, we had our sins forgiveness. And everyone can come and join these meetings uh, because we we all need to, to know these good news. That's great. Thanks, Insaf. Yeah, I, I, I know that one of the interesting things that we know about both of you is that you lead trips 
uh, for people to, to go to the Middle East. And uh, so thanks for telling us some of that history of, of how you um, started to do that and how you go about it. Uh, Kathy, do you want to tell us a little bit about your trips as well and um, the organization that you go with to do that? So um, I'm the director of an organization called Middle East Partners, and I have been leading uh, mission trips and vision trips to Egypt, to Gaza, uh, and a lot to uh, Turkey. I work with Iranians and Turkish um, communities in, the, in Turkey. I've been doing it for many, many years. And more recently, um, because of the refugee crisis, I have now focused on Greece because a lot of the refugees are coming into Greece as the first port of entry into into the European Union. So you've got uh, Iranians, Afghans, Iraqis, uh, Syrians, and Kurds, and now Tur Turks as well. So um, our mission um, as an organization is to bring hope to the peoples of the Middle East um, and uh, we do it in four ways. The first is that we lead vision trips to the region. And one of the things I tell people is that one that by just coming, we bring encouragement and love and we bring hope to those people, um, the people that, that we meet. So um, I remember years ago that my first trip to Uzbekistan, because I've also worked extensively in Central Asia when the Soviet Union first opened up. And I remember um, visiting Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, and Kyrgyzstan. So I've done a lot of things in Central Asia as well. But I remember the first trip to Uzbekistan in 1994, I think it was 93, I asked a local person if they could introduce me to an Uzbek believer. So I went and so he said, well, there's just someone up the road. So we went to meet him and I walked in and I remember saying to him, hi, my name's Kathy. I come from the United States. I just want you to know we love your people. We're praying for you in America and we want to bring greetings. And the man looked at me. He was probably in his mid thirties. And he said, I've been waiting for you. And I thought, really? And then he said, I was asking God, does anybody care? Does anybody know what's happening? Does anybody know about us? And he said, please, he said, I asked God, please send me someone to let me know that we are remembered. And uh, so here I come. <laughs> it was just a lovely time. and. Uh, and it really ministered to him and encouraged him that we we cared about him. So so that's the first thing we do is we lead vision trips. Um, then we also um, do leadership training, especially in the area of project management, because a lot of these apostolic leaders have huge responsibilities. They're problem solving. They're facing all kinds of challenges. So we come alongside and give them the tools to help them. In, in their leadership skills, so they lead with excellence. Hmm. The third thing we do is partnership development, which has to do with finances. We look for ways to raise money different ways and to bring finances to specific projects that are financially accountable. So it's not just giving money just willy-nilly. We make sure that the funds are used 
for specific purposes and accounted for. And then the last thing we do is fa facilitate cooperation between different groups. Because, you know, if you're so busy serving in, in a crisis, you're not going to look to the right or to the left to see even who's around. But if you could bring people together and we can do that, introduce different people to each other, uh, there can be unity and uh, in, in the midst of all that's happening. And then we also facilitate uh, peacemaking initiatives between Muslims and Christians. And that's been a tremendous honor to be able to do that and to allow the different communities to not see each other as competitive or threatening, but to see that we're all there to help to make a difference. Yeah, that's perfect. This is this is awesome. I'm I'm kind of inspired by this. I think vision trips make a really huge difference for people to be able to finally to dive in if they've got somebody to walk with them and they don't have to feel so nervous about that. So how do you go? Um, and I'll, maybe I'll start with Insoft first. How how do you start to select and prepare people to go on these vision trips? I mean, I know that you you're welcoming anybody that wants to go, but do you have um, any kinds of a checklist that you're going through to make sure they're the right kind of person or tell us more about that. Yeah. Like for me, many, many ladies, they join me from Canada or from Iraq in these trips. The important things, the question I ask, oh, why are you coming with me? Is it hmm. your heart because you love the people or it's a project for you? If it's a project, that's mean, it's better not to call me <laughs> because we are not doing a business. We are not writing a report. We are not, we are, we love people. We, we want to give hope to people. We want to tell them how much God loves them. If we don't love these people and we feel with them, it's better not to go mm -hmm. and to share with them their need, their time of happiness and sadness. And we feel their need and we can provide what God put in our hand to help them with their need. That's why it's very important for the person who joined me have the passion and the love to the people. It's not just a project. I'm going to Iraq. I'm going to Lebanon. I serve with refugees. Clap for me. This is my report. So see me. I did a great. <laughs> no. No, this is uh, uh, the per the, a person like this is very distant from me. Um, uh, I like the people who go with me. They have a humble and passion and ready to serve uh, uh, the people we go. We we are going to serve them because, for sure, in mission trip, we're going to tell people who they live in a very hard situation. Sometimes, if you live in a hard situation, you feel like God forget you, you are not in his mind, you are not in his list. But we will go and tell them, you are in God's mind, you are in his list because he sent us to you to tell you how much you are important and how much he loved you. And through visiting people and through doing women gathering and uh, sometimes we provide gift to the children. And for me, like every time when we do women gathering, and this is my calling and what, what, what we do, we gather women in a, in a one all day, one day conference or hard day conference. And we teach God's word, uh, worship and teach God's word. And then we have a, 
uh, like some games and fun time after. Then we share uh, like a, a lunch or dinner, uh, provide like something to, to eat all together. And then I had each woman a gift, gift for her as a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, why uh, this is important for me? Because if I give her, like I'm talking about refugees, if I give her $50, how is she going to spend this $50? She will think what my children need, what my husband need, what my homes need. She will right. spend all the 50 and there's nothing left for her. And as a woman, I know we like to have a lipstick. <laughs> I uh, We have uh, to have some accessories, to have like a hand cream, something personal. But with the hard life, with the low income we have, we cannot provide these things to ourselves. That's why the gift I give to the ladies, I make sure to give her personal, like a nice accessories, a lipstick, deodorant, hand cream, in a small package and hand, I say, this is for you. Because you are a woman, you mm-hmm. deserve to be beautiful. You deserve to look and see yourself how much you are beautiful uh, and how much God loves you. This is a very important message. We want, I want to make sure to give it to the woman because whatever situation she lives, she needs to remember she is a woman. She deserves to be beautiful. And I make sure I, I raise a fund especially for this gift to, to hand to each woman. And recently, we started a sewing project. It's called Hopeful Hand in Erbil, under the umbrella of the Christian Missionary Alliance Church in Erbil. It's a sewing project to, to teach the refugee and displaced women uh, how to sew. And uh, my daughter, uh, she is leading this project. And uh, last year, we started the, sewing pro- the same project in Lebanon. We call it Loving Hand. Also, uh, we hire, we teach refugees and displaced to how to sew, and also we they work on it as a work. Now, in my trips, I order the gift from these two projects to provide me uh, with a gift, like um, supporting these two projects, and at the same time uh, buy the gift from them to give it to the ladies in the woman outreach I do in these two regions to this country. Uh, so there's a lot of places to go in the world. And for anybody watching the news, there's a lot of places that are in some state of unrest, um, even with a little bit of danger connected with them. And so how do you determine whether to go to these places or not or where to go? All right. So uh, I would like to answer that question for me. Um First of all, we uh, in the United States, we have a State Department that gives um, criteria for different countries. And I usually read up on that to see what kind of warnings they give, just to take that into account. Uh, the second thing I do is I ask the people in the country, do you want us to come? Because they have to want us to come. Um, and and they have to say, yes, we, we want you to come. The third thing is that I, we pray and we ask God to show us if we are to go, even if there is an intifada, even if there is unrest, because, if, because sometimes when there is unrest, that is when the local people feel the most um, um, ministered to, because, you know, there's 
chaos everywhere and for us to show up and to risk our own lives to come, that um, becomes a, a, it ministers to them and it helps them. Um, however, I always pray and make sure that I'm led by the Lord to go. Like I've been in Gaza at a time when there was an intifada. The people before me had gone, there was actually some professors and other, they came back with nightmares and they just had such a hard time. But it depends. And, and yet I fell out to go and I took a team of pastors and leaders and all of us had an agreement. We all felt there was about seven of us. We felt we were supposed to go. And I want to make sure that nobody goes unless they really feel that they are called to do this. Um, and if that means that there's some risk involved, we're willing to trust God in the risk. And um, I know when we went to Gaza that there was blood everywhere. It was pretty bad. But we were like a breath of fresh air. And we brought hope and we brought encouragement to the people that we met and they didn't want us to leave. So I think that the more dangerous it is, the more our visits actually mean more because we've risked our lives to come mm -hmm. and we bring hope. Um, the other thing that I do is I always seek people of influence, mature people, not just someone who wants to go and um check check it on their wish list or whatever it has to be people who will come back and tell the story to others so they have to be people of influence who will take what they see and do something with it rather than just saying oh that was a great experience or that was a moving time I, we want the story to continue to reverberate back home yeah thank you thank you uh, kathy was you speak my heart. Uh, I, I agree with every word she said, and she looked like she answered for me and for her, because that was my answer too. And uh, one thing, uh, the, the safest place is if you are in the middle of, in, if you are in the center of God's will. Exactly. This is the safest place. Mm -hmm. And the dangerous place is if you are out of the circle of God's will. This is how I understand. That's why when I want to go to any country, I don't listen to the news. I listen to God. Mm -hmm. And uh, if he put a passion uh, in my heart, um, I follow what God want me to go, and I see him open the path for me. Uh, like after Corona, last year exactly in March, when Lebanon opened up, um, I went to Lebanon, and the pastor there, as same as Kathy shared, I asked the pastor if, if they are welcome me to go and what's the need and everything. I went alone by myself, and uh, the pastor told me, you know, many groups, they were planning to come, but they canceled it. Thank you for coming. Mm -hmm. He appreciated my visit. And uh, uh, very important uh, to know where God wants us to go, because He, we are, we are His tools. Like um, I am a tool in God's hand. He sent me whatever He want me to 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 work for Him. He sent me to Lebanon when the need in Lebanon. He sent me to Iraq when the need in Iraq. Like 
at ISIS time, one year in 2014, I went to Iraq three times because the need was very big there. Now I'm focused to Lebanon. Uh, most of the fund we take it to Lebanon because the need is in Lebanon now. That's why um, we are sensitive to God's um, to show us where's the most need and where he wants us to spend more time and where he wants us to get the most fund. Uh, this is we need to to be trained to be sensitive to his voice and to have the spirit of discernment to know what God wants us to do and then we will do what he wants us to do. Beautiful. Well said. <laughs> That's We're awesome. on the same page. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect that you guys would be in too much disagreement during this call, for sure. <laughs> if you're like me, you're looking for opportunities to connect with other practitioners and like-minded people. Conferences are good, but sometimes you feel like you're trapped in someone else's schedule, someone else's questions, someone else's ideas. Maybe you feel like you can't get off that train and you have these other pressing questions that you need to talk about. In the first week of September, we're having a conference called Merge 2022. There will be some speakers, but more of it will be a conversation and you as a participant actually get to speak into the topics that we cover. We're meeting near majestic Estes Park, Colorado at the YMCA of the Rockies. So there will be plenty of free time, plenty of time to network and get to know each other. If you're interested in learning more, our email is medinafocus at vision59.com. So uh, what is the most impacting story that you can tell uh, that happened, something that happened on one of your trips? It can either be a celebration story or a lamenting story. I mean, we could talk forever. There's so many stories. Um, there was a, a group of uh, Afghans and Iranians that we met in Greece, and we these all refugees. And they asked us if uh, I came. I brought a team, and they asked me if I could sp speak. And I spoke uh, from God's word. I shared a, a word of encouragement, and I. Um, I taught, and at the end of the meeting, we said if anybody would like to be for us to pray for them, and these all Muslim people, but some of them were, were both Christians too, and we just prayed for in our team prayed for different people, and there was a man sitting in a chair on the left side of the room, and he looked like disheveled. He looked like he was. He hadn't eaten in a long time. He hadn't bathed in a long time. He looked a real, um, just like a street person. And he was crying uncontrollably. And so I felt the need to go up to him and just sit in front of him and, and ask him um, what's happening. And he said, um, I'm crying because I miss my family. And I said, what? Why, where are they? And he said, they're back in Iran. And I said, why aren't they able to come? And he said, actually, no, I, I became a believer and I, I came to know the Lord and I had to leave the country for safety reasons. But um, so I will never see my family again unless something miraculous happens because they, um, they can't come. And it was 
it was obvious that man hadn't eaten in a long time, that he'd been living on the street. And so I felt the urge to give him some money, like about 300 euros. So I gave him some money and he took, he said, no, he didn't take it. Uh, he wouldn't take it. And so I asked the interpreter, why isn't he taking this money when it's obvious the guy hasn't eaten in a while? He, he hasn't had a shower. And he said he wanted to know what is this for? And I said, this is for you to buy food, to find shelter, to take care of yourself. Kind of like the ladies with the makeup, you know? And when I said that this is for you, he got up and he threw his arms around my neck and <laughs> thanked me and said, thank you so much. And I uh, just started to smile and said, thank you. So it was obvious that he'd been abused. It was obvious that people gave him money but wanted something from him. And I don't mm. know what that abuse was about, but it really touched his life. And then I connected him with the leaders of the projects that we were doing so they could follow up with him and provide a safe home for him. So it, it's moments when just God shows up and and it's just so wonderful. I may never see this man again, but I think of him and he had such an impact in my life. And I pray that God will take care of him and that somehow he will have a chance to see his family again. Insaf, do you have a good story for us too? Um, yeah, as Kathy said, <laughs> there's a lot of stories. But uh, one of the stories uh, I like to share about Hopeful Hand Project in Erbil, uh, when we started as a, a training, then we turned to rent as a business, uh, like uh, for for the church um, project. Uh, one lady from Syrian refugee in Erbil, she is a mother of three men um, with her husband, um, uh, all her sons in university. And she never worked in all her life because her husband, he provided the money for the family. And as we all know, uh, and in a refugee's life, women can find job easier than the men uh, for different kind of job she, she can do. And then she used to be the only person who uh, make money in the family and she gets salary. And she said, this is the first time in all my life I, I work and I get money and supporting my family was some nice experience for her. And she was so happy to do this. And uh, uh, just like, um, and many stories like that, um, all women, they come to work in this two projects, Loving Hand and Hopeful Hand in Erbil and Lebanon. Uh, our uh, uh, aim, our, our goal to provide a secure place for women to work in. Um, also, we do devotion in the morning. It's a Christian environment. Uh, we are very close to the ladies. We listen to their problem. We, we hear, we pray with them and uh, walk with them uh, in a way to help them. Uh, plus, they are working and they earn money in the end and uh, they have a skill and uh, uh, 
from these two projects, there's a hundred of stories we can get in <laughs> in Iraq and uh, in Erbil and Lebanon. And we are praying to have something in Syria uh, to please join me in that prayer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know that there's a lot of people who work with Muslims uh, and Muslim women uh, throughout the United States and Canada that might be feeling a little bit discouraged. Is there any word of encouragement you would share with them? Yeah, I think that, um, okay, I'm going to tell you a quick story that uh, last weekend I went, I had dinner with an Afghan man uh, and he's, um, who is actually a professor here in Seattle his family, his wife and four kids were trapped in Afghanistan and it was so hard to, uh, for him because he, he couldn't get them out. It was a miracle. Anyway, long story short, miraculously, the family finally arrived and the wife arrived um, and the children and she doesn't speak any English. But we, we met for lunch and I got to meet the, the whole family and I'm mentoring a girl from Tajikistan who speaks fluent Dari, so she could be an interpreter for me. So one of the things I said afterwards, even though the wife didn't speak English, we we communicated through her husband. So, you know, women, as you said, women need to take care of themselves. So I I said to the husband afterwards, I emailed him and said, could we invite Mina to my home and do a ladies tea with an interpreter and then have a, take her out shopping and buy her some nice clothes and just do a girly thing with her. And he thought that was the best thing. And he said, I will take care of the kids and I will bring her to your house. And he just couldn't wait uh, for this event to happen. So, you know, it's really simple things that we can do that um, that means so much, especially to women. I have a, a friend who also is a makeup artist, so she gets samples of all kinds of makeup and things. And I remember using her to do a little, in fact, I'm going to invite her to the tea because we're going to give Mina whatever she wants, you know, hand lotions and lipsticks and things that just make her feel loved and special so i think we shouldn't be intimidated at the, it's the simple things uh, that we would like you know and just finding out what's on their heart yeah and then on the flight coming back from europe from greece i sat next to a turkish man a muslim turk who's a cardiologist and mm-hmm. i um he was busy studying and apparently he he was coming to uh, pass an exam so he could teach at the uh, School of Medicine at the UW. And he told me a little bit about Turkey and what's going on there. Um, so at the end, we both agreed to pray. And he prayed and I prayed. And here we are on a plane and we're praying for each other. And then he said as we were leaving, um, he's coming with his wife and two kids. But he said, can I have your your, your phone number, your text number. And I said, sure. So he texted me and told me he passed his, you know, he, he did well in the exams. So I was there to encourage him and I'll probably introduce him. He's got family here in, in Seattle, hmm. but I would introduce him to 
you know, t- Turkish restaurants or just invite him and his family over for a meal, that kind of thing. So it's it, it's really, if we look at it in a joyful way, uh, it's, it, it, it's amazing how the Lord shows up and it makes it fun. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, Kathy, how would how would listeners contact you if they were interested in joining you for a future trip? And and do you have any kinds of like uh, requirements from them to be able to go? I mean, I know you said that uh, you're you're asking that key question of what their motivation is, and and you and and uh, in software both thinking along those lines. But tell us more about how how they could join you. Well, the best way would be to either text or email me, and I should put it on the chat, or you guys could do it, um, mm-hmm. just uh, kathygiski at yahoo.com, or my phone number, 425-770-3793. They can text or call. Um, so I am open to meeting people who are interested. I would ask them exactly um, what was uh, was my sister said uh, in SAF. Why do you want to go? Uh, what is the reason? And what would you do with what you see? So in other words, not just to experience, but to also come back. And do you have like a network, a group of people that you can share what you've learned and engage them? Uh, I don't take a lot of people. I usually keep the group no more than six or seven. Part of the reason is because I don't want it to be logistically uh, cumbersome. When you have too many people, it becomes a nightmare, you know, transportation, this and that, people can get lost. I want people to stay close and I want them to to become friends with each other. And I also want them when they come back to connect with each other so that the story continues. Insof, how would listeners contact you if they were interested in joining for a future trip? And do you have any requirements that they need to have aside from your your uh, key question of their motivation? Uh, yeah. Uh, first, um, I speak with them. I, I talk with them on the phone or I need to hear their voice. Uh, this is uh, first uh, very important for me. In 2003, when I went to Iraq, I went with a team of four. They, they said, there's a Christian journalist. She wants to join your team. Uh, can she come? I said, I want to talk with her on the phone. I want to hear her voice. Because uh, I want to make sure she is coming because she has passion for Iraq or she wants to do a nice report. Mm-hmm. When I spoke with her, I just feel very peace from her voice and personality. And I said, for sure, I would love to travel with you. And then uh, uh, since there, we are a very good friend and uh, um, she she was and still a trusted person for me. And after that, we did many trips. Like sometimes I see people in um, conferences or in a prayer group. I tell people, okay, I have planned to go to Iraq, Middle East, in like April or in the fall. If anyone would like to join me, please pray. And if you feel you want to join, call me. And uh, when I speak with them, I can feel. I never said no to any person who want to come. All the ladies who traveled with me, they were happy and I am happy uh, because 
even if we are a team, each one of us has his own call. Some women, they come with me, they have a gift of singing, worship. Um, I respect their gift and uh, there's no rules. Uh, freedom, it is very strong and being in this, in the team, we go together. Like each one can serve with how God called her to do. I feel like uh, it sounds like you do a lot of, it, it, it isn't just you're waiting for people to call you and to, to request people that you don't know. You're, you're actually actively recruiting as you're going through life. You're finding the right people to talk with. I want to give a special invitation for Kathy. Kathy, when I listened to you, I said, I saw, I heard your heart is going very close to my heart in this ministry. And whenever you feel you like to join me, you are very welcome, please. Ansaf <laughs> and Kathy, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show and sharing your stories and your heart and your passion. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You've been listening to the Medina Focus podcast. This show is hosted by Brian A. Bear and Nate Schultz. The conversations we have on this program are born out of an expanding environment of collaboration among grassroots ministry practitioners across the North American continent. If you would like to engage on a deeper level, our email is medinafocus at vision59.com. That's M-E-D-I-N-A-F-O-C-U-S at vision and the numbers 59.com.